Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impacts your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. I want to read this to you. And it's going to sound funny when I read it, but it's a passage that's kept me for a long time. Um, I should actually just say hi to my wife really quick. Hi, honey. This is my wife, Cynthia. Pastor Cynthia, she's amazing. I love her. She's my favorite worshiper, even though I think all of our worshipers are awesome. She's my favorite. And uh, she'll just play piano and sing to me, and I just cry. And I just love you, and um, she's been so faithful and just dealt with me. So I love you, honey. Okay, she's crying, so I'll stop. I want to read this. This is a verse that's kept me, and um, it's not even what I'm going to preach on, but I just want to read it. It's Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. So come on with every eye closed. All of our lives in the Lord boil down to this one thing. The things I can't understand. The whys. The Lord, what are you doing? What's the plan? What's the direction? They all boil down to this one thing. This place of being present with the Lord. And I fear that as a church, if we get too caught up in the activity will miss this. Jesus, my words mean nothing if you don't touch us. Jesus, touch us. Guys, you know you're allowed to ask him that. I feel like some of you have been praying this. I was praying for you this morning. I felt this prayer, Lord, just touch me. I felt the Lord said, you don't have to ask, just reach out. So come on, just reach out and touch him. Don't even look at your phone. Imagine that. Just reach out and touch him. You know, that word weaned is not like we see it, like I'm weaning my child off. You know, I'm trying to get them to quit the milk. Now that word mean, wean is to be completely satisfied. To be completely filled. How do you endure? How do you, how do you overcome? How do you walk with faithfulness? How do you do something with longevity? You learn to be like a child. Can you guys feel the Lord? Do you feel that? That peace. That river.
Guys, it's as simple as giving him your attention. And I found a secret. You can live here. You can live in peace and in rest. There is a joy unspeakable. There is a peace that goes beyond understanding. There is a touch. And everything I long for, everything I hoped for, just fades away. All my hopes, all my dreams, all my desires, everything I've built up crumbles with just one touch. Holy Spirit, touch us. Touch us. I love you, Jesus. I like teaching from this place. It's easy. Yeah, if you guys don't know, I um, my name is Gerardo. I lead the young adults. Okay, all right, we'll work on that. They're just lost in the honey. I saw them. They're all like this, gone. Beautiful. They didn't know where they were. If you're under the age of 30 and you're over the age of 18, hi, hello. You're a part of this. I scream a lot in the prayer rooms because I really love Jesus. And I want to I wanna share something with you. I, I will just get right into it. But I... No, you're, you're chilling, dude. I think you're good. Thanks, buddy. You're probably just going to come back pretty quick, but you're good for now. I want to share something, and I think the way today is going to go is it's going to probably start with just a lot of direction where I think we're going as a house. And then from there, we're going to just talk about some real practical things, okay? Some things that we need to get right as a house, and then from there, I think God's just going to break out. And um, I, feel, I feel like we're not done praying for healing. We're not done praying for salvation. Um, I feel like there's some of you that didn't raise your hand or felt something in worship that's stirring and that burning. And I don't want you to lose that. So, so right now you're like, I don't know what, it, what I just felt. That's okay. Stay in the mystery of I don't know what I just felt. These people were screaming. Something came over my body. You'll figure it out in a minute, okay? It's just Jesus. So I want to I read this to you. So this would have been Sunday, September 21st at around 12.30 midnight. Mm. Around the same time, uh, my dear friend, Pastor William, is having an encounter with the Lord. And his encounter had to do with the bride, the lamb, and the lamb's wife. And he was struggling with the weight and the reality of if you actually start to teach this, the repercussions. Well, what he doesn't know is about, I don't know how many miles we live away from each other. In my house, I'm having an encounter with the Lord. And it was one of those where God started to speak in such a clear way. I knew it was him without a doubt. It was like almost audible. I don't like to say audible, but it was as close as you can get. And it was so urgent I, I actually shushed the Lord, and I don't think I've ever done that. And I shushed him. Shush, shush, Jesus, hold on. Let me write this down. And I just grabbed my phone, and I just typed everything I thought I heard him say. And I want to read this to you. 
And if you guys have been here, kind of, you've been a part of this lamb, the lamb's wife, this kind of series, then this will really make sense to you. But this is not only for resignation, but I just think this is for the church, okay? And this is what he said. I'm raising the bar of what revival is. Saturday night habitation, mind you, this was August 21st, so that's like the context. Saturday night habitation, I mean, remember we got married, that was crazy, was just a foretaste of what is to come. I'm so raising the standard and quality of my presence that would have, would have been considered revival 20 years ago will now be considered normal in Christianity. Risen Nation is a representative of the new wineskin I'm producing all over the earth. A shift and a reform of the body of Christ. I will pour out new wine, which will be my spirit and revelation. And I will put a new garment on my church. This garment will be a wedding dress. A revelation of who my bride is and her glory. Um, and he said, kept going. To William, keep shaking, challenging, uprooting, tearing down. What man has built from his own effort. Keep pulling on the thread of desire and revelation I've given you. You're closer than you think. If it seems too good to be true or impossible, then you have found me. I'm better than you think. I'm closer than you think. And I will take you to realms of glory no generation has ever seen. The lamb and his wife is the word that will clothe the global church in this hour. Religious leaders and the systems of the world will want to reject what is happening, but they cannot stop what I will do. Risen nation will experience a great in gathering. Thousands will come from across the globe to put on their garment and meet their husband. This gathering will lead to a mass outpouring and sending. Houses of habitation will arise all over the earth. And an entire generation will be discipled by homes who house the father and shepherds who will lead their sheep to Abba. I had no idea. I was in a, mind you, we hadn't exchanged notes. That was in another house at a different time, but on the same night. And the reason I shared that is because we are actually, see, I wanted to start slow and soft because I just knew where I was going. We are actually in an hour of great urgency. You guys understand that? We are in an hour of great urgency and moving and shaking. And there is something coming to the earth. And I want to say this about Gen Z, not just because I lead them, you know, so I'm biased. But I want to say this. Gen Z is coming. There is a rumbling and a stirring and they are coming. And they want the real thing. They want the real thing. Because here, here's how it is. Millennials, we were the last generation to know life before technology. We were the last one. We kind of knew what it was like to ride our bike and play outside. <laughs> but we got social media. We got a hold of it. And to escape reality, we ran to a false one. Now, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they're born in a world where this false reality is their real one. And where we ran to it to escape, they're going to run from it. Because they want something real. Yeah. 
Don't clap too hard. Because that means we as the church must be ready. Because they will come. They will come. They are rumbling. They are stirring. And they are hungry. And no one of their generation gets saved half-heartedly. They don't. They are all in. Which means, are they going to find a church that is all in? Are they going to find a church that's gotten their priorities straight? Are they going to find a people that genuinely love the Lord and look like him? That's why this bride thing matters. It matters. Because if you don't have intimacy, there's no weight on your life. We can dress cool. We can do the right things. We can post. But if they walk into this door and they see their pastor looking like the people they see online, trying to get hits online, the very thing they're trying to escape, then what? We've lost them. And so as much as I'm loving the bridal thing, we got to understand that this is real. This is serious. Amen? Yeah. All right, so turn to Matthew 25. We're going to just talk about the 10 virgins real quick. You honestly could just teach a whole thing on this, but I'm not. We're just going to kind of go through it line for line and um, just see what the Lord wants to do. Matthew 25, verse 1. Let me know when you, uh, you're there. All right, so remember the context is Jesus is... He's going to share these parables. He's kind of, they're asking about the, the, the end of the age. They're asking about kind of like the end times when, you know, they're asking what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And Jesus is answering their questions and he gives them these parables. And, I'll, and I want to read Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So here it is. I want you to see, there's 10 virgins or bridesmaids, okay? They're all wearing the right garment. They're all a bride, okay? They all have a lamp. Now, this lamp, I want you to see something. The lamp is not just like, oh, Lord, light my lamp. The lamp is the mantle, because we see in Revelation that the lamps are the churches. When Jesus says he's in the midst and he's surrounded by lampstands, they're the churches. So the lamp is the church. So there's 10 churches, 10 brides. They all have lamps. And watch this. They've all gone out to meet the bridegroom. So watch this. They have the garment. They have the lamp, the, the mantle, and they have the revelation. But watch this, something's going to change. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And we're going to see the difference right now. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. I'm reading NLT, by the way. So people are like, where's the shouts? They're not in there. NLT. In the thous, you know. They didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Okay, stop right here. The five were foolish, didn't take enough oil for their lamp. Okay? And the ones that were wise, they brought extra oil. And see the emphasis on the verse. The wise one, it's about the oil first. The foolish, it was about, they brought their lamps and they forgot oil. 
How many of you know that oil is intimacy? Oil is the presence of God in intimacy. How, is, that, is that, we got that? Okay, I just want to make sure. Oil is the Holy Spirit. That's why they would anoint in oil. It was a prophetic picture of the presence of God on someone. The tangible presence. But oil had to come through intimacy because they were brides. They were brides. They had it. They were wearing the clothing. They had been intimate. They had oil at some point. But they didn't have enough. Why? Because the lamp was a priority for the foolish one. But for the wise one, the oil was the priority. Any mantle, any influence, and I really believe it, in the hour that we're coming into, because this is all, I'm giving you all this in the context of where we are today, 2022. Any ministry that is more about the lamp than the oil will fade. God's just going to do away with it. And what will happen is it won't look like some physical thing where God picks up the building and throws it. But what it will look like is the fire will start to dim. The influence, the reach, the, the fame, the name will just kind of... And so... <laughs> All right. So listen... Oil, and and actually the NLT says olive oil, okay? Oil comes through pressing. You guys know that? Okay. So intimacy and pressing. And I want to say this. The pressing is not like what we think. It's not like God squishes us, you know? We got to get this thing like, remember, they're brides. they're, They're virgins. They're brides. So they know God intimately. God is their husband. God is intimate. God is near them. And so I would say that the pressing is not this sovereign God that just like chucks a fireball at you and then just destroys you. No, the pressing comes from this. You press. You press on him. Come on, it's the oil of intimacy. You press on him. And when you press and he leans on you, he leans on you. There's your oil. It's not God Smashes you into bits. God, no, no, you press into him. You, we've been talking about Acts 17, right? You feel for him. It's the pressing into the unknown. It's the pressing into the unseen and you press. And there's oil, okay? So here's these wives. wives they are wise. They're like oil first, baby. When the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and fell asleep. So watch this. The bridegroom was delayed for all 10 of them, the wise and the foolish. And watch this. They all fell asleep. There's probably a huge revelation in that. I don't got time to unpack all that. Um, But I will say this. They all went through the same cycles of life. They all fell asleep. I, I believe really what it's saying is they all went through the mundane. They ate, they slept, they all, so it wasn't like they did something wrong. It's just that it was delayed and they had to go through the measures and the normalcy of life all the same, okay? And I'm sure there's a greater thing about end times and resurrection, but that's not for me. That's like a Cedo thing and I'm, it's above my 
But but see this, that they 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 were all drowsy. They all fell asleep. They all had to go through the same systems. And and sometimes we think that when the Lord starts to move and the supernatural breaks out, that like the things of life just cease. Okay? We're just we're gonna just touch this. Your your bills still gotta get paid. You still gotta put food in your belly. You can see miracles and then be hungry after. <laughs> Raise someone from the dead and be like, I could just crush in and out. Why? <laughs> right? Because the month, life still goes. God doesn't interrupt the cycles of life. I want to say this too. Can I just, little rabbit trail? God, one thing God has really shown me is that there's miraculous in the mundane. When they, when they come to Jesus and Peter and they say, hey, um, hey, you got to pay this temple tax. And Jesus has this sick line. Does a king charge his son? But, you know, we'll just help him out. He doesn't say, Peter, go to that rock, speak to it, split it in half, and gold coins are going to shoot out like Mario. You know, you ding the brick. Right? No, he doesn't say, you know, jump and hit the block and coins will come out. No, what, what does he say? Peter, go fish. Go do the thing you've done your whole life. Go do the boring, mundane, same old job that you've always had. Go fish. And in the fish, he finds miraculous provision. So sometimes we think it's like, when the supernatural comes, and it will come, when the spirit breaks out, we think life just stops. Oh, I don't sleep. No, you got to sleep. Um, I'm going to, when William's talking about prayer stuff, I don't know if we'll, we'll get here eventually, but you know, if we were to say we're going to pray 24 hours, you cannot go 72 hours straight. Eventually, you will have to sleep because God doesn't interrupt the order of life. So all the bridesmaids, they fall asleep because it's the order of life. There's an order. And then here it is. Pay attention now. So they're sleepy because they're just caught up in the life. Day-to-day -day life. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming Come out and meet him. And I will tell you, it is when we're sleepy and we're bored and we're going through the motions and when it's not fun and it's not cool and it's not hype, there is a cry that will go across the earth and it will be the bridegroom is coming. It was a shout at the midnight hour, the bridegroom is coming. And what you're going to see hit the church globally is this cry, the bridegroom is coming. And you will see songs about the bridegroom. You're going to start seeing messages about the bridegroom. You're going to see people talking like they're a bride. You're going to see this intimate language, like people are going to start praying to Jesus. And it's going to sound like they're talking to their loved one because there's this cry that's going to stir up. And the cry is going to go out. Bridegroom's coming. And when they hear the cry, they know what to do. They all go out. That's what this, we know this. We have the revelation. We went to the conference. We were there at the altar. I heard the cello. And so they know this is it. 
God is coming. And I want you to know that this is not just a one-time thing. This is the perpetual coming of God. This is when God, it's the hour of visitation. And this is not just an end times, one-time thing. Though there's a day that the Lord will come. But this is an ongoing reality that at any time, any place, anywhere, God will visit you. And so you come out. And watch, they prepared their lamps. They had their ministry. They had their calling. They had their mantle. They had the thing that God had gifted them in and they came out with it. They all come out with the lamp. Then the five foolish ones, they have a revelation. Uh-oh. We forgot something. And the five foolish asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Watch, watch. This is like for leaders now. Watch. As God begins to anoint a place with his presence and the people, they will come and they start to fill this place and God starts to break out. Watch how other, William, how, can I like, yeah, okay. Uh, watch how other ministries, other leaders, other people will, will come around. Hey, let's team up. Let's join. Can we be part of your thing? Oh, wow, wow. You got a lot of followers. Can we, can we come? Can I be a part of that? It's because they have no oil. So the light is flickering. Their light's flickering. And they're like, we need oil. We got to keep this American church machine going. We need oil. Hey, God's moving there. Can we team up? Can we join? Can we be a part? And mind you, look what they say. And this is what the wise ones say. But the wise replied, we do not have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. So going back to the sleepy thing, they're saying, listen, we don't have enough oil. We got this the hard way. We got this in the pressing. There's not enough. You have to go and buy it just like we did. Mine, he's giving an earthly example for spiritual reality, right? You don't actually have to buy, but in Revelation it says, go and buy gold. Well, how do you buy gold in heaven? I'm sure some prophetic person would be like, I know I went there, you know? <laughs> but, you know, but in reality, the average, you know, believer, you don't, we just said it. It's in the pressing. So you have to, you have to go. You have to get, there's, you have to get it the old fashioned way by pressing into him. I don't have enough for you. You have to have your own oil. And this is not just for ministry. This is for your own heart. Dude, you want to be the most content, fearless, bold, effective Christian? Get your own oil. And stop trying to get it from the anointed man of God. Just get your own oil. They don't have enough for you. They have a family and a wife. Get your own oil. And so she, they tell them, go get your own oil. And you got to do it like everyone else. You can't jump on our coattails now that God's using us. And I see it. People, they go from conference to house to ministry, the thing, because they see the oil. They see God is moving and they want to like, and they want to ride the coattails thinking that this will, this will get me in. But your lamp is dying. 
But watch, while they were gone to buy, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready, ready, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned and stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. You know, some people debate if this is like they lose their salvation or they're legitimately kicked out. Some believe this just means they're not invited to this bridegroom revival. They're not invited to the move of God. It's not that God kicks them out of heaven. It's more like, hey, your role in this, you missed it. And I have a fear, not of getting kicked out of heaven. God knows me and I know him. But I have a fear, I would say I had, that I would miss this. I would miss the purpose and the call on my life. That somewhere along the way, I'd miss my hour of visitation. That the bridegroom would come, Gerardo, I'm ready, and I would not be. That is a genuine I would say, I don't want fear so strong, but it's a, it's a concern. It's a concern in my heart. And it should be a concern in every single one in your hearts. Especially if you think you're called, if you believe you have a calling, you believe you're chosen, you believe God's anointed you or given you something or, or all the prophetic words. I'm telling you, the biggest thing is you don't want to miss the hour that God visits you. And while you're away... He comes and then he closes the door. And it's not because, wow, how to say this? It's not a closing the door like get out of my face. It's a closing the door of what I'm doing. You missed it. You missed it. And, and look at, it doesn't, it's not, look at the, the husband doesn't pick and choose. You notice he didn't say like, I like you five. I don't like you five. The invitation for the wedding goes out to everyone. Everyone gets an invitation. You all get an invitation. It's just who's going to take it and who's going to put on the right garment and who's going to be ready. Amen? So how can I say this lovingly? Resonation, uh, get ready. Is that cool? Okay, so, ooh, it's hot. All right, now some practicals. Mm, it's about where everyone tunes out. Listen, nah, nah, nah. You know, we need to get this right before you go buying gold in the third heavens. Got to get some of this stuff right. And um, as I go through these, really, it's just wineskin. It's just, let's, let's prep. Let's prep. Let's get our, you know, you, you, if you were to put on a dress, I can't say I have, but I've put on a suit. Um, you know, you put on a suit, you got to get it tailored. You got to fix some things. Sleeves too long. These are clearly too baggy. You know, I was trying to be cool. Regret it. Um, <laughs> never again. I'm just going to show up in a dirty t-shirt. And no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, you, you get tailored. So this is all we're doing. We're just tailoring. Okay? So come on, Mark chapter 12. Most of you should know this. If you don't. We will pray for you at the end to give your life to Jesus, and then you can find out. Okay, starting in verse 28. So Mark 12, verse 28. 
one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? I want you guys to hear this with like really fresh ears, okay? The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. He's going to quote it right from Moses. The Lord our God is one. So right here, Jesus establishes his oneness with God. And only, he is, God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And watch this. The second is equally important. Hold on. I'm talking about bridesmaids. We're talking about a wedding. But the second one's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I, I want to hit something so hard on the head as a church. You do not have a right as the bride to ignore or have no desire to be with his children. You have no right to say you're a bride and not love his kids. You are equally obligated to love him and to love your neighbor. And so I want to hit this really, this is actually, this one might be for the young people, but you cannot forsake community in your pursuit of Jesus. It's, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, we have this thing of, well, I'm just, the Lord's leading me, man. I'm just caught up in the spirit. I'm in the spirit journey and I don't like going to stuff. No, the reality is that you're antisocial and you just want to be on your phone and left alone because you think that's what feeds you and fills you. But the reality is, is if you don't love people, you miss the commandment. And watch, and here's the key. Here's the key. There's a little phrase in between, loving God. Here's, here's that little important. You have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. One of the first things I think we learned as Resonation in Orange County was this revelation of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Understanding that I have to love who God's created me to be. I have to love who I am in the grace of God. That doesn't mean love your flesh. You know, that self-love, you know, get out. And I'll just stop there. You know. But, you know, loving yourself is not like eating a bunch of ice cream watching Netflix because, like, I'm loving me, you know, me time. No, no, no. You have to love who you are in the grace and the presence of Jesus. I have to love who I am now in Christ. Because here's the secret. The measure at which you love him is the measure that you're going to love you. Because when you see you, you should see him. Okay? And in the measure that I love me because I love him gives me the ability to love you. Because if I love you out of my own strength, I'd get real frustrated, real annoyed. I'd be over it. But if I love you, not me, but him through me loves you, we can't get it wrong. And you're free from offense. Because... Your love and your security is in who God says you are and God himself. And now loving you costs me nothing. Amen? 
So people don't want to go to the thing because they've been hurt by people and they don't want to be in the family group. They don't want to be at the young adults. They don't want to go to youth. They don't want to go to the things. They just want to slip into church and slip out because they've been hurt. But somewhere along the way, we got our priorities mixed up because I don't come to church for people to love me. I come to be loved. First to him, then to you. Is that just like basic? Can we get that? Because that's like Christianity 101. This house, Resonation, will be known as a house that deeply loves the Lord and loves each other. We're going to address another issue a couple points down that ties into that. A lot of these will overlap. You'll just see that. Second thing. Maybe like third now. <laughs> yeah, just, dude, I, I told William, I said, bro, I got points. And he was like, whoa, hey, points. <laughs> Guys, I'm not a points guy. I'm like, let's just get in the revies. Let's get blasted. Let's correct a couple people and get out. But now I got points today. The young adults know they get like a crazy weird, like, I don't know, version of this. It's not as organized. I'm like, guys, let's just get. They love it. They love it. That's what they want. They just want the presence, dude. I love that. So I want to say this. So deep love for each other, deep love for the Lord. And I want to talk about this. I see it all the time in this church. Um, It's this idea of potential energy. This is almost like a word for you guys. So how many of you guys know like basic physics? There's Potential energy, kinetic energy. So potential is pulling back the bow, right? That's potential energy. It's, it's pulling back in order to launch something forward. It's the rockets starting to shoot fire when you're about to send a spaceship. It's, the, it's that buildup to poof. And I, and I think where we're at as Resonation is God's just been doing this. Amen? And we're like here. And God's like ready. He's like, he's like right here. But there's this thing we got to deal with. And it's called fear. Because we've got two places. It's called fear and honor. That's what I should say. Fear and honor. And God's like right here. But there's this thing called fear and honor that we got to figure out. And here it is. And I'm about to read a verse. Don't worry. I'm going to back up with scripture. Actually, I was supposed to say this. Uh, our good friend Mackenzie here, she actually had a vision, right? By arrows of light being shot out of resonation. So I feel like some of you are just being pulled back. And there's two things we got to deal with. Honor, which is this. Honor is when God calls me to something, I refuse to do it if it's going to mess with my leadership. And we have this thing of if, if I get a word and I'm supposed to do this, I, uh, I just start doing it. And I don't care who's coming or who's not or if it affects the path. I don't care. I just start doing it. God's called me prophet. Start giving words to everybody that nobody asked for at the worst times in worship. But what is that? What is that? You guys ever had that? You're in worship. It's beautiful. You're crying. And someone puts their hand on you and brother, I just see disappointment. I'm like, no one's disappointed. I'm, I'm with Jesus. I'm good. But what is that? What is that? That's called a lack of honor. That's called 
And we're going to read it right now in Habakkuk. But that's called not hearing the right message. Come on, this is Habakkuk, the NLT. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets. So make it plain, plain, God plain. So that, I like this in NLT, that a runner can carry the correct message to others. When God speaks something to you, it's usually very plain. He'll give visions and signs and he'll, he'll, he's a poet. He'll paint a picture, but it's pretty plain. When Resonation started, it was, hey, we just want to see our generation fall in love with Jesus and go after the present. Still pretty close. We just call it a house for him. The, God's vision is pretty plain. It's him and his wife. It's him and his wife. That, that's it. He's after oneness with humanity. The whole Bible, and we'll get there, it's at the end, is oneness with humanity. That's the goal. Genesis starts with the wedding. Revelation ends with the wedding. It's the whole thing. It's why you're alive, to be one with him. So the vision, the answer is very plain. But we need the correct message in order to run. And dishonor is taking what's plain, making it complicated, taking what God has given you, his vision, making it yours. Thus, I have to control it and put it on everyone. Or it's just no honor for his presence. And this is how you know if you have the correct message or the incorrect. Is when God's presence is in the room, you're willing to interrupt it to get your words out. Or to get your thing known. Or God is moving and he's touching people. And instead of giving someone the gospel in the street, because you said you're an evangelist, you're giving them your card, inviting them to your ministry. Because then it's not about God touching them. It's about getting people to your thing. And that's a good sign of if you're in dishonor. Is I'm willing to interrupt what the Lord's doing in order to get my thing going. And God's not confused. You know, if, if is Landry in here? All right, I was just going to embarrass him. But I'll, I'll do it anyways because he's not. So... You know, if Landry is now our youth leader, right? Landry, Whitney, they're incredible. I love them. He's great at basketball. And he's just, Whitney's great at basketball. She will dunk on you. Um, but if someone were to say, I feel called to youth, and they're part of this house, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to start my youth thing over here. I got some youth kids. We're cool. I'm gonna, I got my thing because I'm called to youth. Do you see? That's already out of order. You have no honor. You're about yourself. You feel called to youth. So, so you, these poor youth kids are so innocent. You just get them. You make them all your buddy. They're your friend. And you start this little thing over here. And though Landry's working his tail off, trying to build a youth group from the ground up, you got this little thing over here. And because you're cool and you have influence, you're building your little group and there's division in the house. Yeah? Okay. No one would ever do that, right? Okay. Just making sure. Now, some of you are in the opposite. Some of you, genuinely, God's asked you to do something. And it might be as simple as a simple act of obedience. Start that business. You know? I don't know. That's just one. Maybe that's this is for you. And you're ready. You're primed. You honor. You've submitted yourself to a house. You are covered. You are ready to go. 
everything's in a row. You're ready to be sent. You're ready to start this business. And some of you are the opposite, which is you're so afraid, you put your hand on the bow. So some people are like, God, just send that thing, I'm ready. Other people put their hand. Hey, no, 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 not yet. Please don't. Please don't. And I would say this. If God's really called you, it will be so uncomfortable. If you're truly called by the Lord, it will be something you don't want to do. 9.9, I don't know the number, but 99 times out of 10. (laughs) Hey, that's why I'm not the executive pastor. They don't put me over the numbers. Negative's a good thing, right? That's, that means we're under, but we're, no, I'm just, uh, but 99 out of 10, amen. But won't he do it, you know? <laughs> Come on, Lord. I want that quadruple portion. Um, but nine out of 10 times, right? It'll be something you don't want to do. It's out of your comfort zone. Why? Because it requires faith. Faith, faith, faith. If it's in your realm of control, if you feel like you have a handle on it, it's probably not for you. Oh, I like that. I could do that because I can, I feel comfortable there. That's easy. Then that's probably not it. It should feel uncomfortable. Some of you are trying to stop the momentum of your life. I'm guilty of this. No, 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 no. I'll just be in the background. I'll hold the Bible. That's easy. Like servants, amazing. They're like, I'll just serve, dude. I'll rock the parking lot. I'm good. God's blessed me. And yet there's something on your life. And then a good leader starts to pull that thing out of you. And you're like, no, it's not me, man. That's not it. And you'll see, I think most of our path kind of have a similar thing of like, if you were to ask them if this is what they thought they would be doing or if this is their choice, we would all tell you no. Why would I leave my family to come to Texas? Oh gosh, this is this. It's the, from, I'm telling you, from Cedo down, everyone's got the same kind of why? Why? Nothing wrong with Texas, but why? Why here? I know nobody. I do now. But in 2015, I didn't know any of you. I didn't, I mean, you took long enough, but I didn't know you. <laughs> you know, it took a while getting here. But I didn't know you. You didn't exist, in a sense, in my world. So there's nothing for me here, yet God is saying, go. That's faith. This is completely out of my comfort zone. And I'm telling you, there is streams of income. There is influence. There's calling. There's effectiveness. And I want to say this. There's just measures of presence, like, dude, we want the presence. You, you have to be willing to get like a little uncomfortable, a little desperate, a little step out of the boat and just hope you walk. And that's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is, is, is this is a strong word, but faith is what manifests the substance of Christ in your life. It's the activation. It's the, uh, there's technically nothing here. He's spirit, but I'm going to reach out. And what you find is that as you reach out, oh, snap, he's right here. And you really don't have to go far. We think, we think faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I don't know if it is. I think faith is 
you have to do this or I'm done for. And usually a lot of times faith looks like this. And <laughs> I don't want to go, but I'm going to go. And then, you know, like, uh, you, go, you think you're going to like jump in the deep end and then you're like, oh, it's just, it's like two inches of water. You're like, oh, I thought this was going to be like a whole thing, Lord. And no, just go to Texas. That's it. Just go. Why am I here? Just go. You'll be all right. I'll be with you. Because that's what we thought. We thought we were going to move here and just revive. We were young. We were praying for people in the street. We were seeing miracles in the street. Still do. Amen. Cafe Mila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cafe Mila, dude. You know, but you think... You think this big leap of faith, it's going to be this big, deep, horrible thing, and fear lies to you, right? Fear is a liar. It's going to say, hey, this is scary. And then you jump, and you're like, this wasn't so bad. Eh, I kind of like it here. Hey, I, I, this, is, this feels comfortable. Actually, this is normal. This is totally opposite of what I would have ever picked for my life, yet I feel like this is the purpose of my life. It's backwards. It's like, I would have never picked this for myself, but now that I'm here, this is exactly what I was born to do. Amen? Wow. Yeah, we'll keep going. Okay, this is a big one. We're going to hit this one hard. The next two, we're going to hit next three. Okay, Jesus, help me. We're going to hit these really hard. And fast. Amen. Okay. Hunger, vulnerability, desperation. Mm, My favorite subject in the Bible. It's probably intimacy and hunger, baby. You know, I would say maybe about two weeks before January, not January, whoa, June 12th, 13th. I remember we would just talk. And it was just like, I remember just telling Cynthia, I'm agitated. He's like, you're in a bad mood, and you're never in a bad mood. Why are you in a bad mood? I remember just, and she was like, what? This is not the man I married. (laughs) You know? And she's like, something's wrong. I had this agitation in my heart, this spiritual hunger. And it was like a reawakening that I didn't know I needed. And I was like, I am bothered, babe. And she's like, why? Because I feel like there's more and we're not touching it. I feel like there's more and we're not touching it. And I cried out to the Lord for weeks. And we used to do, um, remember, the Wednesday, remember Wednesday prayers, the lunchtime? Like it's so long ago. It feels like ages. This was like three months ago. Well, one of those, I curled up on a ball like a baby. Because I was so desperate. I was so overcome. I, I just was like, I'm going to curl in the fetus position until you do something. And I saw and on the floor, curled up like a baby. I saw a vision. And I saw rivers flowing on the ceiling. And it started to rain. It was drizzling. And the Lord said, my rain's coming. And I just started crying in the fetal position. And I, because I knew, I knew there's something we're not touching. There's something we're not touching. And as you grow in the Lord, whenever you feel unsatisfied, you should be thankful. It means you're hitting, whoa, a new threshold. 
It means you're, you're hitting a, a new level, I would say. It's like, it's like when you're a baby Christian, no offense, I don't know why I'm pointing at the young guys. Uh, when you're a baby, all you need is a little bottle to feed you. Prime example. My man's going to slam what? Six ounces and be chilling. But when you're 30, right? And you're like a thousand ounces. You need a little more than some milk. And what you find is that when you feel like God's drawn back and you're agitated in your spirit, praise God. It means you've graduated. It means that the milk ain't going to do it. The little touch on Sunday's not going to do it. It's like, I need him Monday through Saturday, and I'm desperate. I'm desperate. And there's that thing, it agitates you, bothers you. My wife knows, if I don't spend time with the Lord, I'm off. I'm genuinely in a bad mood. She knows it. Like, like I'm being weird. I'm just, like, cleaning stuff randomly. She's like, what? what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cynthia's like, shh. Lord, leave him alone, you know, just clean the house. But I'm, I'm just like scrubbing dishes and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, he's not near. He's not close. I can't feel him. And it's God inviting us into a greater reality. That's why, that's why I see this really with young people, right? Like they get touched, they're on fire. Everything's a miracle. They're seeing crazy stuff. $100 bills just fall from the sky. I mean, the stories, bro. Like, bro, I just walk in. I was just in the jello, bro. And like, bro, $100 bill was on my foot. I'm like, all right, Lord. Like, I, I, you know, what am I? What, am, what's, what about me? Have I not been good, you know? And, but the, it's easy, right? It's easy. And then something changes. And I love it. Because about six months later, the same guy's like, bro, I just can't hear him. I can't feel him. Well, you graduated. You don't need $100 bills. You need to get a job. <laughs> you just go to work, bro. Hey, how to preach. When you're a baby, he babies you. As you grow up, he doesn't baby you. He entrusts you. Okay, someone said say it again. I love that. When you're a baby, he babies you. When you grow up, he entrusts you. And that's the change. And you feel it. And that always should produce a hunger and a desperation and a vulnerability. And we're going to read it. We're going to go verse by verse here. You ready? I want to read two scriptures real fast. Um, don't tear your clothes. This is two verses that have marked us, I think, as resignation big time. This is Joel 2. You don't have to turn there. and just read it real fast. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your heart instead. Return to the Lord your God for he is merciful. I want, to, I want you guys to see how God describes his nature. Mind you, this is how God describes himself. He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And I love this. I love it in New King James. It says, you know, that he'll, maybe he'll turn and leave a blessing behind him. I love that. Who knows, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. I want you to see something here. Hunger and desperation creates 
of vulnerability. When you're desperate, it's, it's no longer a show, it's my heart. My heart. God, tear my heart open. Vulnerability, intimacy is into me. See, you, you have to let him in and you, you open up and God rips you. And watch this. And what he does is when he rips you open, what does he fill you with? Fill you with? Mercy, compassion, and unfailing love. God never exposes us to leave us naked and broken. Let's round. This is another thing we got to correct. It's a lot of correction today, Will. Sorry. Prophecy. Mm -hmm. The radars went up. It's very easy to pick someone apart. God never just picks us apart and leaves us undone. Never. If God tears something off, it's always to clothe you with something greater. God is love and he's compassion and it's unfailing love. So when he says, rend your hearts, he's not going to just leave your rend and in rags. He will clothe you with something greater, something deeper. There's always more. So when he says, rend your heart, he's not exposing you. And sometimes as a church, I'm going to say a funny phrase here, but here we go. We got to embrace our nakedness. See, there's a difference between the woman being thrown before Jesus caught in adultery. Caught in adultery means probably not wearing a lot of clothing. She was caught in adultery. I mean, sorry, kids. Just do the math. She's probably not clothed. But see, when God rends us and he unclothes us and he peels back the garment, the layers we put on. There's a difference between the woman being thrown at Jesus' feet in shame. That's one kind of nakedness. But then there's the nakedness, okay, between a husband and wife. There's God, there's a difference between a husband and wife being unclothed before each other because they're about to clothe themselves with each other. Got to take off the stuff to put on. Amen? So watch. When God unclothes us, we ought to embrace the fact that we're naked. But our nakedness is not a shame thing. It's not God exposing how naked you are. Oh. No, it's God unclothing you because he's about to clothe you with himself. Always. 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 Every time. When God deals with something and exposes something and pulls something out of you that doesn't belong, it's never to shame you, it's to clothe you with himself. And like a husband and wife on their wedding night, they unclothe to be clothed. You guys with me? Maybe come on. So vulnerability, we have to be willing to go deeper. This is Isaiah 64. Oh, this is just Awesome. I should just read the whole thing, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read some passages. You know what's so funny? I said Isaiah 64, and then I didn't turn there. Okay, Isaiah 64, NLT, love this. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Right there is a revelation. How many of you know the heavens in us? Okay, here we go. You guys are with me? Did I lose some of you? Heavens in us. Why? Because Christ is in us. Heaven's the domain of God. Where's God live? Okay, just making sure. 
You guys, you guys good. I would say that when we say, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down, I think a good way to think of this verse is uh, Joel 2. Rend your heart. You want heaven to come down? Open yourself up. Heaven comes out. Yeah? Oh, that you would burst from the heavens. Well, where does he burst from? Right here. Boop. Ooh. That should make us walk different. That's all I'm saying. Okay? So we skip down a couple verses, and this is... Isaiah 64, verse 3. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And actually, I should be reading this in the New King James. Hold on. (laughs) That's how I set it up. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you. And here's the key. Who acts for the one who waits for him. You have to wait on him. Come on, this is that rending of the heart. You have to wait on him. The tension of waiting will eventually lift, I promise you. But there is a tension in the waiting. Because he longs to touch our senses. Look, at it just said, he's, no other God's made himself perceivable, touchable. Touch our senses to reveal his tangibility. But everything will come to the surface. So watch. When you wait on the Lord, there will be attention. And what you're going to see is everything comes up. That's why people don't like getting still. Because when you get still, you got to deal with things. Because all the stuff you watched and all the things you looked at at night, all that comes up. And you're like, why is this all coming up? I'm trying to be with Jesus. That fight you had with your spouse all the issues at work, all that comes up, right? Because it's had your attention. And in the waiting, all that starts rising. But everything's going to come to the surface. But I want to encourage you guys, don't be discouraged. This actually means the light of his presence is shining on you. And I'm talking about the secret place now. When you get alone in secret and you wait on the Lord and everything starts coming up and you're like, what is all this? Why am I so distracted? Why am I thinking about that? The light shining. It says the light exposes what's done in the darkness. It's just the light doing its job. Jesus is just doing what he does. He's exposing everything. And his presence is shining on you. And everything is coming up as you wait on him. Everything comes up. And, but watch. Let's keep going. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness. Who remembers you in your ways. And you are indeed angry. He's talking about the nation of Israel, but plot us. For we have sinned. In these ways we continue. And there's a whole revelation that we talked about resignation. And we need to be saved. And there's no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. And so I would say in the exposing and in the raw and in the why is all this happening? Why am I so distracted? I want to say that even when it feels uncomfortable, you're like, I'm just sitting in a room by myself. Nothing's happening. Without you knowing it, you're stirring yourself up. And you're taking hold of him. You just don't know it yet. And we're going to get to, uh, I'll show you in a sec. For you've hidden your face from us and have consumed us before our iniquities. So kind of going back to like everything comes up. When you get alone with the Lord and you're in that heart, everything comes up. Good, bad, ugly. God just starts dealing with all of it. But what you don't see is you're stirring yourself up. 
Because as the weights fall off, you're rising. But now, see, everything always leads to a but now. Okay? Can you guys just say but now? Okay, are you guys all right? I'm going fast because I'm like, you know, trying to honor the time. But watch. So when we feel this, God's dealing with us in secret. God's rending our hearts. Everything's being dealt with. It always leads to a but now. But now, oh Lord, you are our father. I would say this resignation in the tension of waiting for the Lord. It always leads to you're our father. We are the clay and you are potter. And all we are, all that we are, is the work of your hand. Oh, Lord. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I messed up here. Oh, Lord. Okay, do not be furious, O oh Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are all your people. The waiting, it produces the Abba cry of Holy Spirit, bursting out of every pore of your being, screaming, you are my father and I am your child and nothing is holding me back. I am your masterpiece formed by your hands. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have shaped me, molded me. I'm like clay in your hands and we are your people and risen nation. We have to become a people that waits till the but now. We have to learn to wait till the but now in the tension of this doesn't feel good. This isn't exciting. This isn't great. Where's the action? Where was that thing I was feeling six months ago when everything was working out? But in the waiting, in the waiting, in the waiting, there's a cry that rises, but you're our father. You've shaped me. You've molded me. You're my father. You know, William brought up, you know, resignation, how long it's been going. Um, for years, years, small rooms. We were always looking for a place. Little tiny seed. And, and you water the seed week after week after week. And you don't see anything. But in the waiting, are you willing to let God deal with you in the waiting, in the tension, in the, this, what is the point? God, I'm throwing away my 20s. Just to think about that. Like, this is my 20s, man. This is my youth. And I'm sitting in a room in Cafe Mila. And in that tension, in the waiting, when it's not cool, when it's not popular, when it's not hype, in that waiting, God meets you and everything comes up. Everything. Your motives, your goals, your desires, what you thought, your plans. All of it comes up. And it, but trust me, it leads to this. But now, you're my God. I'm the clay. You're the potter. Not my will be done. Not my will be done. This isn't my life. This isn't my show. This isn't about my name. I don't get the credit. You don't heal anyone. You don't prophesy over anyone. He gets it all. You don't worship, worship leaders. You don't move the room. He does. You just yield. And you lean into him. And in the waiting and in the tension and the uprooting, there comes this moment, but father. And he becomes your father. And you say, 
I'll give my life for you. I'll go anywhere with you. I'll do whatever you want to do. I will say yes to anything. Anything. Mm. I was going to talk about, uh, uh, I was going to talk about gossip, but I don't know if we got time. Should have just hit it really hard. Okay. Um, I'll just say this really quick. You know, I realize now, look at my notes, I'm like, super intense. Change of pace. Yeah, I just want to deal with gossip real quick. <laughs> it's in my notes, bro. I promise. This is not just me, like, off the cuff. Um, God showed me a vision of circles. Um, pretty recently, actually. And, and context, remember, everything I'm sharing with you is because what God's doing. It's no one's in trouble. This is what God's doing, and we got to be ready. And this is what preps you. Intimacy preps you. Waiting preps you. It all preps you. Obedience, running when he tells you to run, preps you. So watch this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. I'm going to tell you what the vision is in a sec. Called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. It's Galatians 5, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember? But watch here, here's the warning. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And God showed me a vision recently, a couple weeks ago. I saw circles. Just circles. I was like, that's weird. And mind you guys, just so you know, I'm saying vision and stuff a lot. This is not normal for me. This all kind of started happening a lot around June 12th. I don't know what happened. Corey uh, said intercession and stuff got weird, you know? Hey, touch me. And stuff got weird. <laughs> oh, Cynthia, thank you. Bless you. Mm, I never thought I'd be this guy, dude. That's crazy. I'm a rag guy. So, I saw circles. I'm just seeing circles. And I thought I was dizzy. I thought I got hit in the head. And I'm looking. I'm like, okay, Lord, what is this? And the circle zoomed in. And I saw a dog had caught its own tail. And the dog, sorry, weird, dog started eating itself. And the dog had its tail and then just was biting and what I saw is that as the dog bit, it got smaller and smaller and smaller until it just vanished. And I said, Lord, what is it? I says, go Galatians. And I read that verse. Look, he says, love your neighbors yourself, immediate warning. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I would say that backbiting, gossip, slander destroys the move of God. And what it does is it actually won't stop what God's doing. It'll remove you out. And what happens is, is you'll eat yourself. That was the vision. You'll eat yourself until you realize, I got nowhere else to go. And I have eaten myself out of this. You actually, you actually consume yourself. And so listen, how we deal with it is you got to see it right here. We just talked about it. You got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you loved who God created you to be, you wouldn't care about anyone else. Doesn't mean that you don't, it doesn't matter. It's, it, of course, you know, someone's doing something crazy, you know? But it means you wouldn't be in people's business. Who cares what they're doing? It's none of your business. But I find that the root of that is we're not secure 
and who we are. So we want to be important. We want to be validated. We like having information. And what I don't want to see is people come into this church, into this house, to encounter the Lord. They get touched by God. God blesses them. God anoints them. And instead of us celebrating, we talk about them. And it's just not okay. Not okay. Because watch, you'll devour each other. And you'll drive yourself right out of the move of God. I keep reading in Galatians. Since we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become, and here it is, conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Mind you, that verse follows the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, beautiful, beautiful. The fruits of the Lord's presence. And immediately he's like, don't be conceited. Stop provoking each other. And don't be jealous of one another. Jealousy will not stand in this house. I'll just say that. Competition will not stay in this house. Spiritual pride. Oh, listen. Humility, you know that God says he resists the proud? Okay, watch. Humility draws God in. Pride, God draws God away. It's like if you're humble, he comes close. You're prideful, he pushes you out. And you don't like that, but it's the truth. He can't be around you because you're prideful. You're too consumed with you to even see him. And so he goes, not for me. Of course, he's a loving father. And of course, you can repent and come back. And one, you know, I'm not even relax. Because people hear that and, you know, they start thinking like, oh, I was prideful one time, you know. You're fine. Just, you get what I'm saying? It's that spiritual arrogance. And really, it's a lack of understanding who you are. It's a lack of his presence. It, it all comes from a lack of his presence. Because it says, if you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. What does that mean? Have fellowship with the spirit. And if you're in fellowship with the spirit... You're chilling. And whenever that stuff comes up, it's because you're not in fellowship with the Spirit. You're not walking with Him. You don't have a relationship with Him. You don't. You don't. And what it creates is circles. And these circles are my clique, my crew, my people, my thing. They're weird. I'm cool somehow. They're invited. They're not invited, I guess. And we fight over positions, territories, my little thing. And what happens is it clouds our vision. And God's like, I'm trying to give you a generation. Hello? The world's coming. And you're fighting over your little spot. And God will just walk you right out. I'll raise someone else. And you know what that weird person? Probably take your spot. That person you don't like, that you got issue with, who's humble and lowly, just works their butt off and serves, probably take your spot. Just saying. It's really how it works. I've seen it. Okay. Last, last thing. You guys good? Yeah. No one okay? Bro, are we good? Are we doing all right? Okay. I want to I want to end with some bride talk. If you guys could turn to Isaiah 55, wow, the sweat. 
It's okay. God's good. Isaiah 55. We're going to just read one kind of um, one kind of little passage here. Ooh, or do I read Luke first? Okay, I said I wasn't going to get like deep into Revelation, but can I get a little deep for you guys? Is that okay? Okay, Isaiah 55, come on. So I'm going to just read this right here, starting in verse 12. And I want to say, yeah, worship team, oh, listening. I want to say we're going to kind of end here because everything I've said this morning is leading to this. I said it earlier, the whole Bible is about this. The lamb and the lamb's wife. The reason the nations will gather, and they will come here, just so you know. They're coming. I just know it. They're coming. And this little house for him, I don't know, Will. We're just going to have to figure it out. Because it ain't going to be so little. That's all I'll say about that. But I want to read this to you. It, because if we, if we can get this one thing so strong, if we can get this bridal life in intimacy... If we get this right, every other thing I said, you won't even have to deal with it. All the correction wouldn't even apply to you if you can get this one fundamental thing right. Oneness with Jesus. Oneness with Jesus. The Lord said to me, he said, revel in your united life with me. Relish our oneness. Come on, Resonation. When's the last time you relished your oneness with Christ? When's the last time you just were like a kid in a candy store? We're like, I'm one with this guy. No, we go woo when William tells us to. No, I go woo when no one's looking. Ask my wife. Sit on the couch. I get weird. We had a, we had, we, uh, we housed, um, we housed girls. We have a discipleship home. And um, one of the girls, she left, she went back home and she left notes for everyone. And my note was, I've never seen someone sit on the couch and just encounter the Lord like that. And she said, I didn't even know you could do that. And she didn't say, oh, you're great. Thanks for feeding me. Thanks for all the stuff you did. Gave me for free. She's just like, she's like, Cynthia, dude, Cynthia got this crazy mother to nation, crazy letter. She's like, I just like the way that you can sit on the couch and just be lost in Jesus. And I said, you know what? It's probably the best compliment ever. I'll take that. You can get lost in Jesus anywhere because you're one with him. And watch, the whole Bible points to it. I want to read this to you. Because this is not only, Isaiah 55 in general, I believe is a word for his nation. I believe it. It says, you will call a nation a nation you do not know. And the nations will come. Because they will say, the Lord has glorified you. Us? Why would he glorify us? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Let's find out why. Okay, verse 12. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Ooh, creation's gonna respond. Come on. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be, watch this, an everlasting sign of his power and his love. 
if you read that face value, you'd be like, this is like a Disney movie. It's not. Especially verse 13, where there was once thorns. And where thorns is to prick, a briar, a thicket of thorny bushes. How many of you know Paul had a thorn in his side? I don't think it was sickness. I don't think it was anything. I think Paul was wrestling with the reality that a chapter before he just said he went to the third heaven. I think the thorn was the fact that he had to come back down to earth when he had seen glory, he had seen his bridegroom. And I think the thorn was the pain of love sickness. I truly do. I think the thorn was, I gotta deal with these people. And I touched third heaven. I knew a man. Now I'm here. But he said he boasted in his weakness. He didn't have some secret sin. He's lovesick. He probably was just tired of getting stoned. You know, be tired too. Can I not get beaten once? For once, can I not get a rock thrown at my face? Lord, I saw the third heaven. I saw you. That's the thorn. That's just my opinion. But see, out of the thorns comes a cypress. Thorns are this love sickness, but I would say thorns are the trials of life. They're the loss, they're the disappointment. She knows we've had some thorns. Losing babies, losing moms, losing jobs, losing opportunities, disappointment. In a span of a year and a half, that'll rock you. That's a thorn. But out of thorn rises a cypress. The word cypress is a word for musical instrument. A lance or a musical instrument. So out of the thorns of this world rises an instrument of worship. Come on, we're going somewhere. Come on, in the breer, the nettles, means a stinging or a burn. The root of that word is actually not to burn like what you think, like ouchie. The root of that word means the fire of a funeral. It's a funeral fire. You know, like in the ancient days, they would do a pile of sticks. They light it on fire. That's the fire that it's talking about. The fire is the altar. The fire is the altar out of the altar. That's why when you get married, you stand at the altar. Because the fire is your death. Because when you get married, two people die to who they were. At an altar, and they become one. But watch this. Out of the fire of the altar will come a myrtle tree. The root word for myrtle is hadak. Sorry, pastor which is the same root word for Esther's name, Hadassah. Out of the fire of the altar comes a bride, a royal bride that saved a nation. This whole Bible, this whole book is about a bride. Because look what it says. This bride, this worshiping bride, they will be an everlasting sign of God's power and of his love. They're his eternal bride. Can we just stand?
out of the thorns, out of the trials, out of the squeezing, out of the rejection comes worshipers. And those worshipers, they lay their life on the altar. And out of that altar comes a bride. And that bride is married to the kings of kings. And the Lord of lords, she's a queen. Out of the fire comes a bride, a royal bride. Risen Nation, I'm here to tell you that some of you have gone through the thorns. I don't know if you've gone through the fire. Some of you have gone through the trial. Some of you have laid your life down on the altar. Said, I'll marry you, I'll live for you. And in the death to you, the death of yourself, the death of your plans, your dreams, your goals, the vision for your life, when that is laid down, out of it comes a bride. It's a bride that worships. Can I tell you what the kindle is? Like, you want to know what wood God probably uses for that fire? It's probably the thorns. Pulls them out, throws them on the altar, light the whole thing. The thorn is the kindle for the fire. And it raises a worshiping bride that says, I want nothing else but Jesus. And this is what it's going to take in this hour. A people that say, I want nothing else but Jesus. I married him. You don't understand. Doesn't matter what they did. I married him. Doesn't matter what they have and I don't. I married him. Doesn't matter if people know your name or they don't. I married him. It doesn't matter how big your following is. I married him. Doesn't matter how much money you make. You married him. Nothing in this world is going to satisfy. Nothing. Nothing. And, um, I feel like God just... Yeah, I feel like the Lord just wants to clothe us. I feel like it's just time. It's like the changing of a season. It's the turning over of a page. It's the, it's the start of a new thing. It's time we just lay it on the altar. It's time we stop living in the shame of the past, the worry of the future, and we lay our life on the altar. But see, this altar is an altar of marriage out of it's going to come a bride Romans 7 says those who knowing the law know this that a woman as long as she is married is obligated to the husband but when the husband dies she's free to marry we too we too (laughs) were once married to the law but we have not let's just read it So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who raised from the dead. You died with Christ. You came up a bride united with Christ. As a result, we can produce a harvest, going to produce kiddos, of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, Sinful, de- bleh, sinful desires were at work within us. 
The law aroused those evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now, but now, we have been released from the law. We died to it and are no longer captive to its power. But in this new way, we live in the spirit. Jesus. I feel like it's that wedding thing all over again. I think some of us made vows that we forgot. I think some of us made vows in our youth that we've forgotten, that time has taken its toll. Time has numbed us. Life's gone on. Life's gone on. And we've all gotten drowsy and sleepy. But the bridegroom's coming. He's coming. Come on. Every eye closed. No one looking around. I feel like I just want to pray for surrender. If you want to get up on that altar, I just want you to raise your hand. Don't look around. Just raise your hand. If you don't know what that means, it means give your life to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hands. But it's not salvation. Keep your hands up. First people raise them. Just talking to those who maybe don't know what that means. I want you to know something. When we pray this, I hope to God you mean it. Because Jesus really means it. And here's the thing, he's faithful and he'll keep, he'll keep his word. He'll keep his end of the vow. He will. And I'm going to challenge you with this. If you say yes, if you surrender, if you say, God, I'll climb up on that altar so we can be one. That you really mean it and that you're in it for the long haul. You're in it for the long haul. Not just when it's convenient, not just when it's cool, not just when everything goes your way, but for life, for life. And if you're older and you have a family and you have kids, who cares? Jump on in. This idea of somehow you missed it. No, you're here now. And there's a generation that needs mothers and fathers. Not people regretting their past and what they could have done. It doesn't help anyone. Amen? Come on, I'll pray over you guys. Jesus, right now, we commit our lives to you again. Jesus, we surrender. And we choose to get up on that altar. God, use our thorns. Use the wounds. God, as to kindle for this fire. Good, bad, ugly, Jesus, burn it all up. Right now, burn it all up. Holy Spirit, come like a fire. Sweep over this house. Purify us, God. And God, as we rise out of the ashes, I thank you that there's only going to be one left. That our life is truly hidden in Christ. That when a generation sees us, they see Jesus. When a family sees us, they see Jesus. God, I surrender. Come on, make this your prayer. I surrender all.
I surrender all. I lay my life down. And I'll never pick it up. I'll never go back. It's gone. It's gone. Someone needs to hear this. It's gone. It's done. It's finished. You don't need anything else. It's finished. Just believe it. It's done. Jesus, we marry you again. We marry you all over again. Remember the vows of our youth. Remember the vows of our youth. Jesus, we honor our end of the covenant. When we said yes to you all those years ago, we remember our yes. We remember who you say we are. Jesus, I thank you for this house. I thank you that a worshiping bride is rising up out of this house. A people united with their husband. A, a bride made dripping with oil. Overflowing with oil. God, a people who wait on you. Hide nothing. Fully undone before you. Jesus, we don't come strong. We come so weak, so tender, so lowly. Break our hearts again. Oh, Jesus, break our hearts again. Right now. Yeah, right now. Break our hearts again. Break our hearts again. Thank you that you're breathing new life right now all through the room. Those dry, callous places, I thank you. That they're becoming soft and alive again. I thank you for joy springing up again. Hope springing up again. God, an anthem and a song springing up again. That God, the stings of this life, even death, where is your sting? It got burned up. God, I even just speak to those that have lost loved ones. I pray you give them a vision of eternity. That even now, God, you give them a vision of eternity. That God, you would give them a vision for how much their life matters. And that God, if they could see their loved one now, they would see that they're dancing and they're singing before their bridegroom. God, I thank you for healing even now from loss. That Jesus, out of it, out of the thorns. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you for new life. New life. Just break our hearts, Lord. We renew our vows. The Lord spoke to me earlier this week. When's the last time my bride danced with me? 
We promise to dance with you again. We remember our vows, Jesus. We remember the promises that we made. We remember the first love when there was there was no calling, there was no word, there was no there was no benefit, there was nothing. It was just you and him. He said, Jesus, you can have my life, not because of what he could give me, but just because you touched me. Because for the first time I felt love. For the first time I felt peace, I was in love. And I said, Jesus, you can have my life, I'll live for you. Oh, Jesus, all I ask is that you'd kiss me. That was my prayer, 2014. In a room in Orange County. I said, Jesus, just kiss me. And you can have my life. There was no ministry, there was no promise. I hadn't even met Cynthia. bride and a bridegroom a promise made in secret on an altar hidden in the rock in this hidden place I met the love from my soul and how I long for you guys to meet him If you only knew what was available to you, if you could only see what's possible. If you could only see what he'd do with your little broken yes. Oh, that you would burst the heavens, God. That you'd burst our heart. That you'd sweep over this nation. That you sweep over the church, that you'd wake her up. That you'd wake her up again. God, that you'd show us how simple it is, how easy it is. Jesus, the trials are hard, but you're so much better. The things of this world, they just grow so dim. They don't compare. Gold loses its shine. Diamonds become nothing. In the light of your glory. We long for you. Come on guys, just reach out to him. Long for him long for him he's not far he's not far that's the secret that's the secret that I found that he's not far in a cubicle in a grocery store in an apartment with Joel Patritz (laughs) he's not far when I had nothing when I had everything He's not far. Just touch him. Felt the Lord for you guys this morning. Just touch him.
Miss Touchin. When's the last time you danced with him? Mm. When's the last time you got before him with no prayer request? Just him. Let it be our greatest reality. Let us live from this place. Let us breathe from this place. Let us make decisions from this place. Let us never walk out of this. And God, if we drift too far, we turn to you. We promise we'll turn back to you. That Jesus, the minute I feel a distance, I'll fall on my knees. Say, examine me again. God, I thank you for a generation coming. This is all they will know. This is all my sons will know. All they will know is a God that can be touched. All they'll know is a God that can be heard, that can be seen, that they can be one with, that they can always have, that will never leave them or forsake them. This is all they're going to know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.